Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Let's look to the book of Ruth in chapter 1, verse 6. Follow along as I read verse 6. The Bible says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, Who Are You Connected To? Pray with me. God, thank you for connecting us to you, Father. Thank you for connecting us to each other, God. I thank you for the unity inside our church, and I pray, God, that you would speak to us today from your word, by your spirit. God, I pray that you would strengthen my body to say what you'd have me to say. Increase our faith, God, and teach us what you'd have us to know is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I preached a message out of the first few verses of the book of Ruth, and we saw some interesting things. I want to kind of give you uh, a, a little bit of summary, catch us up to where we were one of the things when you read the Old Testament, some of it is a lot of history, uh, facts and information about the people of God, the enemies of God, how God dealt with them, how, how they dealt with God. And I always try to reference us back to First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, because it says these things happened to them as examples. They were written for our admonition or for our learning, our instruction, our advice upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, when God used the Apostle Paul to write this to the church at Corinth, they didn't know that the the end of the earth would be at least 2,000 years past where they were, but nobody's ever been further near the end of time than us, right? Grandmom and them thought they were near the end of time, and they are, and we are as well. But the Scripture says that things happen to the people. The examples that we have in the Bible are for our instruction, for our learning. And as we look at this study of Ruth, I told you last week, we can best learn from the book of Ruth if we look at this story typologically. And I told you that an Old Testament type is an event or a person in the Old Testament who foreshadows or mirrors a New Testament event. One of the clearest examples I can give you is that there was a father who offered his son on a hill as a sacrifice. We could say, right, God offered his son Jesus on the hill called Calvary for our sacrifice. Well, there's a type of that in the Old Testament where Abraham offered his son Isaac on a hill for sacrifice. And many events that played out in the New Testament were given snapshots in the Old Testament, little pictures, little foreshadowings of things that would come. I I told you this would be a great movie if I felt better I'd fake a movie voice and, and give you my trailer, but it would say, Coming soon to a theater near you, the book of Ruth, a story of romance and redemption. Follow one family's epic struggle through famine, tragedy, and travel as they work their way from a place of bitterness to the place of blessing. 
Always with the addendum, this film has not yet been rated and no animals were harmed in the making of this film. Last week I told you that because Abimelech was the starting main leading man in, in the beginning of chapter 1, that his role would be played by Gerard Butler. I, asked, I had some people ask me, why Gerard Butler? How could he be the star? Because he died off so fast. And the answer is simple. The star is always Gerard Butler. He starts as Gerard Butler here. He's going to be Gerard Butler in a minute, too, later on in the story as I see it. And you need to learn how to engage your mind when you read the Bible. You need to let God guide you into his truth. I told you last week one of the clues to making the Old Testament come alive to you is to pay attention to the names of the people, the names of the cities that they come through from, because these names have importance. In verse 1 of Ruth, the Bible says, in, those, in the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. This was a time of chaos, famine, and backsliding. This was a time when uh, this man who was of the people of God left, went away, and drug his family with them. I want you to know, when you walk away from God and the people of God, you create a mess. And you affect other people. Some people have bought into the lie of the devil that what I'm doing is only hurting me. It's not hurting anyone else. There are ripples effect that sin creates in lives, in, in generations. And, and we need to make sure that we are not the people who leave. Amen? We need to be the people who stay. The last verse in the book of Judges, which is the first verse right before Ruth begins, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. And every man did which was right in his own eyes. This was thousands of years ago, but it's been true in every generation since then, even when there were kings, that every man does what's right in his own eyes. This is the curse of independence. This is the curse of me. This is the curse of false intellectualism. This is the curse of false, deeper faith. This is the curse of, well, I know what it means to me. When it's not relevant what it means to me, and it's not relevant what it means to you, it's only relevant what it means. Some people will read the Bible and say, well, this is what it means to me. Tell me what it means to you. And that is the worst form of biblical study you could possibly have because that suggests that it could mean one thing to me and a different thing to you. And we know that's impossible because the Bible says that the Scripture is of no private interpretation. That's like saying 2 plus 2 equals, well, to me, it equals 4. But what does it equal to you? Well, if it equals 5 to you, you got issues. And if it equals 3 to you, you got issues. And if it equals 371, you need medication. But the truth is the truth, and we need to realize that these truths are eternal. And if it was true then, it's probably still true today of man. If it was true then of God, it's always still true. But I still see in the land today, even though we have political figures, that every man tends to do what he thinks is right in his own eyes. We've gotten away from absolute truth in America. There was a time in America where morality was clearly defined, where right and wrong was clearly defined, where truth and error was clearly defined. And we got into uh, this, this form of, you know, expanded morality. 
we got into relative truth. And now what we've ended up with, I told you last week, now on the newest government forms for application, there are 64 identification boxes to check when choosing your gender. Does that let you know how far we've fallen as a nation and how stupid people are? You say, Pastor, you shouldn't call anybody stupid. If you can't figure out if you're a boy or a girl, something's really bad off wrong with you. Now you say, well, Pastor, I, I struggle with gender identity on my own. No, you do not. You've believed that. You've been told that. You, 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 you've accepted someone else's lie in you. When you go to the bathroom, you know if you're a boy or a girl. Nobody wants to say amen. Let me keep moving. I, I'm right all by myself. I, I just be like David. I'll encourage myself in the Lord. People have this tendency to want to do what's right in their own eyes. How can we see events unfold in our own nation and half the politicians on this side say it's their fault and half the politicians on this side say it's their fault? And they see it this way and they see it that way. Why? Because we are cursed by this curse of independent thinking. Everybody wants to have their own truth, but truth is not subjective to the individual. Truth is independent of the individual. It doesn't matter if I shoot Deacon West with a gun and you say, Pastor killed Deacon West with a knife. Well, you, you could say you were half right, but no, you're just fully wrong. Once you step into error, that, that's just error. What did I shoot him with? See there? Now y'all know. Lock me up and take me away. Truth is truth no matter how you see it. And I want us to look at the real truth of the Word of God. We need to get past doing what's right in our own eyes, and we need to do what's right according to the Bible. We need to get, get past doing what feels good to us and do what we're commanded to in the Holy Scripture. See, that's the thing about a real Christian. A real Christian comes to the point in his or her life when they say, I can't make it on my own, so I'm going to surrender to one greater than me. And I'll live by what they say is right and wrong because I know I'm not able in and of myself to make these decisions for myself. There's an implied humility to even being a Christian which says, I know I'm not all that because I need help. That ought to eliminate most pride inside the mind of the believer. But we looked at some key words last week. We looked at the fact that there was a famine in the land, and I told you famine doesn't come by accident. There's always a purpose to the pain. There's always a reason for what's happening. We looked at the city Bethlehem in Judah, and Bethlehem is called the house of bread or the place of satisfaction Jesus came from Bethlehem, and he said in John 6, 35, as a play on his hometown, I am the bread of life. We looked at the word Judah last week, and we saw that the word Judah means what? Praise. We looked at the word Moab, which represents the flesh. It's a city 50 miles away from Bethlehem. This is how far they wandered from the Lord. Now, we could get 50 miles from here before noon. We could, it's about 50 miles from here to Georgia, up 95, and even shorter if you go through McClenny uh, to the other side of Georgia. But we could get out of this state in less than an hour. They didn't have cars to drive by. To travel 50 miles from your hometown was a purposeful event. It took a lot of effort, and they stayed in that direction for a long time. When the Christian 
finds themselves away from the place of God, it ought to be by mistake. It ought to be because you tripped and fell. See, when, when I fell over backwards, hit my back on that tub, and my head snapped back in the inside of that tub, I didn't dive into that tub. I fell into the tub. Uh, well, I didn't actually go into the tub. The square ledge kept me from going in. Uh, but it was, a, it was a fall. See, when you, if you walk into sin, if, if it's your desire to say, you know, bump it, I'm going to just do me. I don't know how you can even believe you're saved. Uh, the Bible says the righteous are scarcely saved. If the righteous be scarcely saved, the Scripture asks rhetorically, what's going to happen to the sinner? See, real Christians, they, they fall into traps, snares, tricks. They stumble, they fall, they get up. These people, man, if they were stumbling, they were stumbling for a long time because they went in a long direction one way and made a mess out of things. So this dude, starting dude, uh, Elimelech, he has a wife. He has two sons. They married two chicks from Moab, which is a bad mistake. God had told them to stay away from the people of Moab because they worshiped false gods. Let's pick up in verse 6. The Bible says, Then Naomi heard, Naomi what? Heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. Naomi had been in Bethlehem, lived there, knew what it was like to be full, knew what it was like to be satisfied, knew what it was like to be close to God, got away from God. There, there, there was a famine. The timing of the famine, did it happen before they left, after they left, during, while they were leaving? Remember, when you're looking at typology in the Old Testament, it's kind of like looking at a parable in the New Testament. Every event doesn't necessarily have to line up exactly the same way. God is trying to teach an overarching point, and we'll see the point as we unpack this story. But Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. Listen, if you get away from God and the things of God and you expect to ever walk in harvest again, guess what you have to do? you got to get back into Bethlehem. You got to get back into the place of God. You got to get back into the place where God is blessing. And the good news is that even though Naomi was in the wrong place, she heard from the Lord. See, God has a way of tracking down his own. God has a way of keeping a short leash on his own children. God has a way of seeking his wanderers. He never forgets them. And it's, it's typically in moments of trial that God gains the ear of his children. And so here Naomi is. She's a widow. She's childless. Uh, she hears some good news from her old country that God had blessed them and gave them bread. And, and God knew that she would hear what was happening. God was wooing her back. And if you ever get far from the house of God, if you ever get far from the purpose and the plan, the man, the woman of God, you need to listen to God's drawing you back. Because God's always talking. We just aren't always listening. The second half of verse 6 says, So because of what she heard, Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab and return to her homeland. If you don't get anything else out of today's message, get this. God will always take you back. 
No matter where you find yourself, no matter how far you fall, no matter how far you wander, intentionally, accidentally, God will always take you back, and there is always an exit ramp off the highway of sin. Well, I've made a mess of things now, and I just can't find my way back. Oh, well, you're half right. You definitely made a mess of things. But if you will listen to God, you will find your way back to where you belong. In verse 7, it says, Her two daughters-in-law, with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. So I see a couple of things in this verse. I just want to pluck out some truth to you this morning. We're going to get out of here. She set out from the place where she had been living. I, I wonder where you've been living. Where you've been living this week, this month, this year. Where have you been living? Because it's not enough to have had a relationship with God. You need to have a relationship with God. It's not enough. I meet people so many times through, through our church, and they tell me, Pastor, I used to preach, I used to teach, I used to deke, I used to serve, I used to sing in the choir. What you used to do was for then. What's happening now? We need faith for today. And she had been living in the wrong place. Say wrong. But she heard that God was blessing, and she knew she needed to turn around and leave where she was, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. You need to, want, you need to be honest with yourself about where you've been living, and you need to be honest with yourself about what road are you on. What road are you on right now? Are you on a road that is leading you away from the house of God? Or are you on a road that is leading you toward the house of God? Because the blessings of God are in the house of God. She couldn't be blessed by God living in Moab. She had to get back to Bethlehem. And too many people are walking away from God, the things of God, the plan of God, and they are wondering why they're having such a mess in their life. And I want you to know God will never bless your mess. God is not so desperate for followers that he's going to bless you in your foolishness. God is not so desperate for children that he's he's going to chase you out of your chaos and bless your mess in the middle of it. Every real child of God that wanders away needs to get back on the right road. So what I'm saying to you this morning is get on the right road. Make sure that you are on a road that is leading you in the right direction. Verse 8 says, but on the way, come. When you read the Bible, don't just read it. I hear some people trying to read large pieces of Scripture every day. If you're reading large pieces of Scripture every day, you are learning fractionally. The majority of what you're reading is, is just you're, you're forgetting it. It's as you study it phrase by phrase, word by word, that it really sinks deep. And that's why you need to pay attention to the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. This first phrase in verse 8 says, but on the way. See, they were on their way. Were they on their way to the good place or the bad place? Some people are following the story. They're on their way to a better place. They're on their way back toward God. And you need to make sure that you are on your way. I wish I had a way-o-meter. I'd hang it on your neck and see which way you're going. I, I wish I had a way-o-meter so I could find out, are you going to the good way or to the bad way? Your direction is going to determine your destiny. Your direction is going to have a direct impact on how your life plays out. The direction you walk and the people you walk with will always determine where you end up. 
One person said it this way, if you want to know your future, look at the life of your friends. It's the people you're hanging around that are the ones you are becoming like. That's why you need to include more good people and get rid of some bad people out of your life. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and me. So her daughters-in-law are named Orpah and Ruth. And I told you last week that Orpah is what Oprah's mama tried to name her, but she didn't know how to spell Orpah, or we'd be talking about Oprah Winfrey instead of Oprah Winfrey. She spelled Oprah's name wrong on her birth certificate, and it stuck with Oprah. But Naomi is telling Orpah and Ruth, go back home. Now, that's kind of harsh, all right? If you get involved in a family, you marry into a family, your husband dies, your, 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 your father-in-law dies, and your mother-in-law says, yeah, yeah, you just need to go back where you came from because there's some reasons why, but it's still there's some hard truth in every disaster. And if you have to find every reason for every hard truth in disaster, you're going to miss the lesson searching for the reason. It is what it is. is. And she says, y'all got to go. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. That's so funny to me because I really think about what I read. I really try to glean and gather what the Scripture is telling me. And the first thing she says is, y'all need to go back home to your mama's house. And that's the boot. That's, that's the, kiss, the kiss-off sign. That's kick rocks. But then, you know, like every good backslidden Christian, but good Lord bless you on your way and thanks for all you did for us. Uh, I, that's hilarious to me. Y'all don't have to study the Bible if you don't want to, but that's funny to me. Verse 9 says, May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. She said, Y'all got just go on, go. And I hope you find a husband, and your life gets better. Naomi is depressed. Naomi is a widow. Naomi now is barren and her sons are dead. Naomi feels like life has dealt her hard and she's upset. She feels like that, that, uh, uh, what, what that Peanuts character that the dust cloud was always following, that dude, or, or what, was that, what was that monkey, that donkey's name in that other team? Eeyore, it just, you know, it just, woe is me. You get away from me because, you know, it ain't going good for me. Y'all go and, and get around somebody else. And she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. Now, for those of you following the story, you're still locked into the Abundant Life Cinema. If you're following the story, when it says they all broke down and wept, how many people is this all? Three. We got Naomi, the depressed. She's a widow, but guess what these two girls are too? They're widows too. And obviously, they think it's better with her than with their family because they didn't go back to their family. So they see something in her that they're trying to hold on to. And this is why when she kissed them goodbye, they all broke down and wept. But let me tell you one thing I've witnessed in church. I've been doing this for a long time, and I have seen thousands of people make decisions while weeping. I've seen thousands of people pray to grab hold of Christ with tears in their eyes, bawling tears, and look for real. Because honestly, I believe if you're going to come to God, you've got to come ugly. 
You can't come pretty to God. You, you got to come snotting and crying, and you got to come humble and broken. And, and, and I, I've seen people come with all those outward signs of real commitment. But I want to tell you something. Just because somebody's crying don't mean you can trust them. Don't, don't believe every word you hear, even when it's back with tears. Because some people just cannot be trusted. But in verse 10, no, they said. How many people are part of the they right now? Two. Orpah and Ruth said, no, we want to go with your people. This is a confession of fellowship. This is a confession of covenant. This is a confession of connectivity. They've cried. They've hugged. They've kissed. Oh, it, it, it should just be awesome. And they make their declaration, no, we, 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 want to, we don't want to go away. We want to be with you, and we want to be with your people. And I want you to know this morning, quick decisions don't always last. Quick decisions don't always last. That's why you should never get married to somebody you ain't sure you know. Don't get married to somebody you ain't seen winter, spring, summer, and fall with. Because they might act, they, they might act crazy during the holidays. Rainy season might put them into a flip. You need to know these people. Quick decisions don't always last. They both cried, held on, hugged necks, and said, no, we're with you. Verse 11, but Naomi replied. She ain't having it. She is not having it by any stretch of the imagination because here's what she knows in her saved mind. Part of my mess is these Moabites. My ignorant dead husband and my ignorant sons my ignorant sons married these two Moabite women. My ignorant ex-dead husband let his boys marry these Moabite women. God forbid that they were to do that. Led us off into this place. Got me tangled up with these, with, with these two non-Christian women here. I'm trying to cut and run, and they, they're trying to hold on, and they're saying, no, we, we don't want to go. So Naomi confronts them with the uncomfortable reality. She said, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who will grow up to be your husbands? Obviously, this is a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is a question that should not need an answer because it's so obvious. That's like when mama says, boy, do you want me to slap your face? Say yes. <laughs> Try that. And if she doesn't, file forms with the government to get a better mama. These are rhetorical questions. She says, can I still give birth? No, I can't give y'all no more husbands. Verse 12, no, my daughters, return to your parents' home. See, she's still not having it. All the hugging, crying, tear-making, confession, covenant. Nah, y'all y'all don't got what it takes to run with me. She's realizing I've got to separate myself from all the things that I surrounded myself with as I walked away from God. And when you walk away from God and find yourself in Moab, which is the place apart from God living in the flesh, you need to cut ties and run. Naomi's trying to cut ties and run. Naomi's trying to get rid of the things that are weighing her down. And she says, go back, I'm too old. Even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? Wow, I hope not. <laughs> Can't you imagine that right now? Your husband dies. 
you don't have nowhere to go, you, you tell his mom, hey, if you get knocked up real quick, I'll, I'll, I'll just hold off for 16, 18, 25 years. He's not a man until he's 30, so you got a long wait coming. See, some women grow up in their teenage years. I never met a man that grew up before 30. I'm trying to help some of y'all brothers out there. Y'all acting proud and ignorant. Listen, don't be so ignorant in your manhood. I'm trying to give you an excuse. I'm trying to let women know. You know why most women aren't happy with their man? Because they expect too much. You married him. You knew what he was. You, you knew all about him. Oh, now he's got to quit gambling. Now he's got to quit. You, you stayed with him when you found out he was hoeing. You didn't mind the money he was bringing in or how he was making it. Now, all of a sudden, you got to change him. I'm trying to help somebody. They said, ah, y'all, hey, y'all ain't about to wait on me to birth y'all no new children, wait up and marry one, you know, some little boy. No, of course not. My daughters, things are far more better for me. Things are far more bitter for me than for you. She's telling them the facts, and these facts are uncomfortable. She's telling them the truth, and the truth not always pleasant. She said, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Now, there's two types of people. They both claim to be Christians. One's real and one's fake. And they both see this story differently. They see this last phrase differently. See, a real Christian understands that God will raise his fist against you. Just like a real child knows, mama will raise her fist against you. Anybody? Y'all need to get with today's living and, and understand. She had proper theology. We're cursed with a false theology in the world today that blames every negative event on the devil. When the Bible says that God is the one who shuts up heaven and causes a famine over you. The Bible says that God is the one who raises up difficult times in your backsliding to draw you back to him. Naomi was te telling the truth here. She knew good scripture, and she knew that based on what her and her family had done, she had put herself under the chastening hand of God. You, my, my kids know. I mean, if they just really want a whooping, they, they don't have to work too hard to get it. If they just really want to be on discipline, they don't have to work too hard to get it. Cross the line, discipline, bam, that's it. Do right, be blessed. Do wrong, be cursed. That's the oldest thing you'll find out from God. From the beginning, he said, I set before you a choice. A choice to bless you if you obey me, a choice to punish you if you disobey me. People read this and say, oh, well, God would never raise his fist against his child. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges. Every son, the Bible says, if you be without chastisement, then you are a bastard and not a child of God. A bastard is someone who is an illegitimate child with no real relationship to the father. Make it colder in here. Too many people fanning. No real relationship to the father. You know what the church is filled with? You can say it now. It's Bible. Bastards. Churches are filled with bastards who have no real relationship to the Father. They accept no correction. They accept no confrontation. They accept no chastisement. And the Bible says that if you chastise, correct, and confront wise people, they grow yet wiser. 
that your child who is wise will love you for correcting them, but your foolish child will hate you. It's easy to figure out where you're at in Christ. How do you deal with confrontation? How do you deal when the word of God, the man of God, or the plan of God corrects you in your wrongness? And he can tell me what to do. Oh, well, we see. Bastard. <laughs> Naomi was not a bastard, and she understood because of her disobedience. She had placed herself underneath the chastening hand of God. It's funny. People, just like I said, this side and that side want to see it different ways. I know, especially people who lean too heavy to blaming stuff on the devil, uh, when, whenever something bad happens in their life, they want to blame the devil. Pastor, pray for me. Devil messing with my finances. Never mind the fact that you, you know, you're leasing a car you couldn't afford to buy. You're paying on an interest-only loan because you couldn't qualify for a regular loan. You're living too high for what you make. Uh, let, let's never mind the fact that you're living above your means. Let's just let's not mind the fact you don't pay tithes and give offerings. You just won't say the devil is messing. Pastor, pray for my marriage. The devil is fighting against my marriage. There's only one devil. God, Pastor, pray for my marriage. The devil, the, the devil is fighting against my marriage. Well, never mind the fact that you won't get off porn. How we got to blame everything on the devil? Well, because it's convenient. So when it makes people look good, they say the devil is, is doing this to me. But when it happens to one of their enemies, one of the people they used to go to church with that now in their fake Christianity they hate, uh, they, they say, look what God's doing to them. Look what God's doing to them. See? See? God's punishing them because they're living sideways. I'm blessed. But the devil bothered me. God, come on now. You choose whether or not the Father disciplines you. Live right. My children, I told somebody this the other day. I don't let it out publicly too much. Because y'all know I believe in spanking. Neither one of my children have been spanked in over three years. And I, I fully believe that they've been spanked for the last time. Because they were spanked so much when they were younger, they realized, I ain't crossing certain lines I'm not crossing. And I, and I, was, I was telling this parent, you got to spank these children young so you don't have to spank them old. You got to spank these children young, the Bible says, to, to chasing them be times. That's a King James word for early and often. If you're chasing them B times, early and often, then they'll realize, mm, I, ain't, I ain't never going back on that. No, that ain't me. I ain't with that. And then so the law doesn't have to chasten them because they learn fear. They learn that there are consequences to negative actions. Kids that ain't ever been beat, that, that, that's 12, 13-year-olds raising their hand at their mama. If you think you can whoop your mama, you've been raised wrong, you, you lost your mind somewhere, and you were not given a solid foundation. Amen, women? Naomi is giving these people some uncomfortable facts, but they are facts nonetheless. See, I hurt a lot of people's feelings over the last nine years during an eight-year period when President Obama was our president because whenever I'd hear people complaining about President Obama, I would remind, and I would just tell them this, just, just 
you know, every now and then people got to be set straight. I just, you know, turn the, turn the set screw, tighten your carburetor right. And I let them know, I, you know why President Obama is the President of the United States? And they want to have all their sideway answers. And I tell them, Barack Obama is the President of the United States because God wanted Barack Obama to be the President of the United States. Everybody's not clapping right now knows what's coming next. Do you know why Donald Trump is the president of the United States right now? See, some of y'all so proud, y'all saying sideways answers right now. Because when confronted with real truth, you choose to believe a lie. Bastard. Can't be corrected. The devil may be a liar, but God tells the truth. And Donald Trump is the president because God wants Donald Trump to be the president. And the same reason why some people couldn't understand why in the world God wanted a Democrat to be president, other people can't understand why God wanted a Republican to be president. When the reality is the true people of God realize we have but one king, and he is God alone. And he is the one who is responsible. He says, by me, all kings rule. So you can't tell me God didn't want Barack Obama to be our president. Neither can you tell me he don't want Donald Trump to be our president. It doesn't have to make sense to know that God is still in charge. You see, what was going on in Naomi's life didn't make sense to these Moabites because they married in to this Hebrew family knowing that, well, these Hebrews got away with money. Still. These Hebrews got, got away with blessing. They thought they were moving on up. They, 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 they thought they finally got a piece of the pie. Y'all don't, y'all, y'all don't remember that. But then it turned on them. What happened to all this Hebrew blessing? Well, when the Hebrew finds himself in Moab hooked up with Moabites, the blessing is cut off and the fist is raised. She's telling the truth. It ain't the devil that did these things to her. This is the chastening hand of God that did these things to her. In verse 14, it says, and again they wept together. Come. More crying. Sometimes tears mean something. They don't mean everything. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. See, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the proof in the pudding. This is what happens when confronted with uneasy truth. This is what happens when you hear something you don't like. This is what happens when reality slaps you in the face and you're like, yeah, I ain't with it. That's why people leave church. See, I've had so many people tell me over the years, oh, Pastor Scott, I, I, I love abundant life. It's my church. I found a home. First time I walked in here, I mean, I, I just love the, the, the teaching. It's just so, so real and so raw. And, and, yeah, they liked it. It was like a cup of water in a dry and thirsty place. But they stuck around for a couple of months and started living sideways. And then that same cup of water that used to refresh them now is being splashed in their face because they're living wrong. Now they're mad. Now they're upset. Who's he think he is? He ain't, he ain't perfect. Never said he was. He ain't got all his stuff in one bag. Never said I did. All I do is I deliver the mail. I'm just doing what God called me to do. And I'm going to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. And some people hear the uncomfortable truth and get better. Some people hear the uncomfortable truth and get gone. So who are you? 
Are, 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 are you going to be a, a, a lever or a clinger? Because in this story, we have a lever named Orpah, but we have a clinger named Ruth. And Ruth said, I don't care. I ain't going. See, some people you just can't shake. Some people just down with you when you don't deserve it. And those are the people that you need to let hold on to you. And you need to hold on to them. Verse 15, look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. Still, she already told her kick rocks once, twice, three times a lady. She just telling, telling, telling. Go. I ain't leaving. You need to go. I ain't leaving. God's fist is against me. I ain't blessed. I, I'm, I'm bitter. I, I, I'm going through. You, you need to go back, find a better life somewhere else without me. And Ruth is just flat out not hearing you. Well, what can we learn from this? I want to tell you today, don't ever run away from people who are part of your destiny, no matter what they do. Don't run away from people who are part of your destiny just because they're under the chastening hand of God. Don't run away from people who are part of your destiny just because they go through. Don't run away from people who are connected to you for your destiny because God is about covenant. God is not about leaving. One daughter-in-law left, one stayed. You got a choice if you want to be like Orpah or if you want to be like Ruth. And Ruth's mind was made up. She said in verse 16, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. This Moabite who hate God. God said no Moabite can ever even come into his sanctuary until multiple generations of them have died off because they didn't meet God's people with bread and water when they were hungry in the land. God had determined, you Moabites, y'all out. Y'all got, got no part nor parcel with us. But this Moabite said, I'm making my covenant with the, this woman of God, and I'm basing it on the Lord. See, you might want to hook up with somebody who can better you, but you need to hook up with somebody who can bless you. And sometimes blessing don't look like it's moving in the right direction. That's why people thank God for promotion, but blame the devil for getting fired. That's why people thank God for promotion, but blame the devil for demotion. When the scripture plainly says that the Lord is the Lord who lifts one up and sets another one down. And whether God is moving you up or moving you down, as long as God has put his hand on your life, you're in good shape. As long as God is touching you, you're in good shape. Whether you're going through or whether you're on top, as long as you got a hand on God, you're going to be all right. And this woman, this woman who did not grow up in the ways of God, did not grow up with the people of God, would rather cling to the new than to go back to the old. She'd rather cling to a woman with a different God, the only real God, than to go back to her family and the false gods that she knew were not real. And she says this deep thing. Man, in verse 16, I, I told you all last week that I've had so many people want me to read this uh, when, when I do their wedding vows. And I, and I do because, you know, I'm there for them. But I make sure that they know this is not a man to a woman or a woman to a man. This is a covenant that was made 
from a woman to a woman, but listen to how deep this is. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. You ought to have that mindset for your spouse. If, if they cheat on you, you ought to say, we're going to fix it. If they leave you, you ought, to, you, you ought to beg them back. If they tell you to get out, you ought to let them know, I ain't going nowhere. I, I'm, we, we stuck like Chuck. I'm staying here till the end. Now, if you go, I can't stop you. The Bible says if they leave, let them leave, that you're not bound. But as far as Ruth was concerned, you don't have to waste no more breath on me, girl, because I ain't leaving. She said, wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. Where you live, I'm going to live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. So her connection, her commitment, and her covenant was based on her belief in the God of Israel. Verse 17, she said, wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. She went so far out on it, she put a qualifier of cursing on it. This, now see, people will tell you that they're your ride or die, and three months later they'll be blast, putting you on blast on social media. The people will tell you that they're your ride or die, and then six months later you find out they've been sleeping with your woman. Y'all hadn't been in church long enough. People, people will tell you, ah, we down like four flat tires on a Lexus. When have you ever seen four flat tires on a Lexus? <laughs> I mean, I get colloquialism, man, but be right. That's four flat tires on a Chevy. That's four flat tires on a Pinto. Four flat tires on a Lexus. Don't trust everybody that says they love you. And if they don't base their love for you on their love for the Lord, they're going to leave eventually anyhow. You can't trust the people that don't, don't have a, a qualifier on their covenant. She had a qualifier on her covenant. She was not just including her love for this woman. She was embracing everything about this woman's belief system and her God. Her mind was made up. She didn't care what obstacles she had to face. She made a choice to walk in covenant with Naomi, Naomi's people, and Naomi's God. See, here's where church folk thin out. Oh, everybody comes rejoicing, joining in, marrying in, gunning, gunning, woo, everybody's family, get mad, ticked off, backbite, negative, gossip line. Leave. The ones who stay... Stay, are you ready? In spite of. Love, real love, is an in spite of love. That's why my opinion, I don't have any fact on it other than my own opinion, but I don't believe that there is a more visible love in the human race than the love a mother has for a child. See, because mama loved that child, daddy would kick that boy out. Take, take, steal my TV. Trust that. Put your hands on my tools one more time. I will steal money out of my bank account. But mama's love, ma mama loves hard, and, and she loves long, and she loves, are you ready? In spite of. I want you to know that's a picture of real love. Do you understand God loves you in spite of? 
God knows every bad thing you've ever done, but he still loves you. Most of us won't be honest about where we're at because we don't believe people love us in spite of. See, this is why pastors, average pastor leaves every 18 to 36 months. I've been, I've been here from day one, almost 17 years. And I've lived my mess in front of everybody, wide open. Here it is. This is my junk. I made a determination when I, when I became the senior pastor of this church that I was never going to hide behind a mask and pretend to be something that I wasn't. So when people started figuring me out, I'd have to jump ship and go pastor another church. That's why I don't trust preachers that had to move a thousand miles away from home to, to go pastor a church. They were trying to get away from who they really are. We went to Olive Garden one night, Friday night, and Jake had a friend with him, and somebody came by, Pastor Scott, and, you know, and usually somebody from the kingdom, somebody from either our church or a different church where I've ministered, and this happened to have been somebody that I went to high school with, so they introduced me to all their family, and I'm hoping she was going to say her name, uh, <laughs> And then they, they walk off, and I look back at Jake. He's like, you didn't know her, did you? <laughs> I don't know. And my children will tell you, and, and Jake told his friend, everywhere we go, somebody sees my dad that knows him from somewhere. If you hide behind a fake mask of tr pretending to be better than you are, you're going to have to be on the run your whole life. Most people don't believe that we will love you in spite of you. But my commitment to you is I will love you in spite of you because I know God loves me in spite of me. And if you withhold love from people because you think they don't deserve it, how do you think you deserve God's love? If you withhold forgiveness from people because you think they don't deserve it, how do you believe you deserve God's forgiveness? The Bible says freely you receive, freely ought you to give. We ought to walk in love in spite of people. We ought to give forgiveness in spite of what anybody does to us. And, and Ruth is serious about this. Ruth makes a confession. She puts a curse on it and qualifies it with real commitment to God. See, it's a great place to be when another believer proves that they're with you and you believe it. Now, my kids have been around church their whole life. We started this church two months before Jake was born. And so my kids grew up in church. And they know almost always the nail in the coffin is when somebody stands up and testifies. I just want to thank God for Pastor Scott. I love Pastor Scott. He led me to the Lord, baptized my children. I never met a pastor. I trust my life with him, and I'm abundant life to the end. That's the nail in the coffin. They're three feet out the door, and I only got two feet on their body. See, because everybody talking stuff ain't real about stuff. But when you find somebody, when you find somebody, and some of y'all are those somebodies, when, when they're like, I'm with you, tested and tried, in the mess, out of the mess, good and bad, up and down, doesn't matter to me. I'm with you. I, I, it, it's funny because Bishop always says whenever he travels and people don't know who he is and they find out he's a pastor and, and one of the common, especially in African-American church, uh, very, very few people have a legitimate, uh, in, in any color church, very, very few preachers have a legitimate doctorate degree. 
from an accredited university. You know, you can fill out a piece of paperwork on the Internet and get a doctorate degree. Um, but one of the most common phrases you hear is, how many are you running, Doc? How many are you running? And what they're asking, because they're pastors, they want to know how, how big is your church because they want to compare you to them because they don't understand real love and kingdom work. And it's not always about uh, the, the size, it's about the impact. And Bishop always says the same thing, about 30. When it's really about 2,000. And they say about 30. And one time a, a, a visitor, pastor had met him in a different city, came, visited the church, and said, you told me you was running about 30. Look at all these chairs in here. Look at all this going on. Why'd you say you're running about 30? And this is what he said. He said, oh, that, that's just butt sitting in chairs. I'm talking about who's with me. And then, you know, because he, he's raw beyond raw, he says, you know, just, just let me mess around and sleep with somebody I ain't supposed to. Get, get, get caught being hired drunk somewhere that I ain't supposed to. And all them people will leave. But I got about 30 in here that I drug out of the ditch, that I, had, that I held them when they was vomiting and bailed them out of jail. That, that's, see, there are those who are around you, and there are those who are with you. And you need to make sure you know the difference. Because you try to cut covenant with those who are around you, they're going to betray you. If you try to let go of somebody who's with you, you're making a mistake. And this is the kind of covenant that Ruth is declaring. And in verse 18, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. What if instead of always putting on your Facebook who your best BFF is, making these outlandish confessions of how they, you would die for them. If you don't believe me, just try me. What if your lifestyle, what if even when confronted with difficult realities, you still stayed? What if when, when, when dealing with somebody who was at her bottom with nothing, no man, no job, no money, no house, nowhere to go, just busted on nothing? But I love you. And I'm going to be with you. See, this is a whole different level. And when, Ruth, when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined, look what she said in the last phrase. She said nothing more. You ought to want to get to the place with those you're connected to where nothing else has to be said. You just know. We're down like that. This is my crew. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't leaving, and they ain't leaving me. And she said nothing more. Verse 19 says, so the two of them continued on their journey. Remember how many of them there were just a minute ago? Three. Now how many are there? See, sometimes your, your addition comes by subtraction. That's why some of the best church growth happens by subtraction. That's why some of the greatest things that could happen in your life is for some of your friends to disappear. See, because just because something's getting bigger don't mean it's getting better. Some growth could be a tumor. All growth, growth is not positive just because it's bigger. This was positive for Naomi. This was positive for Ruth. In verse 19, so the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? 
the women asked. So she's back home now, and people are like, is it really Naomi? Now, it says they were excited, but how many of y'all know some people get excited by gossip? How many of y'all, see, this is real church folk. You've been in church more than 10 years. You already know this. Some people get excited because of your tragedy. Some people get excited because of your downfall, your demise, your backsliding. Some people get excited because you finally got what was coming to you. See, I was never a really big Jimmy Swaggart fan. Just wasn't my guy. Uh, even, even though, I mean, wildly successful. At one time, he was the most broadcast preacher in the world. Was on more television and radio stations than any other preacher in the history of the world, Jimmy Swaggart. I didn't become a fan and go to see him at his church until after he fell and I saw the body of Christ go after him with knives and, 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 and snarling teeth. And I heard so many people badmouth him and say, I knew he was a phony. I knew, you knew he was a phony. Well, what does that make you? Because he found out, people found out that he wasn't perfect. Now he's a phony and nothing he ever did meant nothing. Well, what does that make you? See, see how quick folk turn? People would just turn, but, but some people won't. And so they go on their journey. They get back to Bethlehem. The town's excited. To me, that don't mean they're all happy. I mean, they're happy to see her because how many I have seen this happen? I have had people call me from 10, 20 years removed. Heard your wife died. Yes, she did. Well, how did it happen? Tell me again your name. You, uh, we know each other? Yeah, we know each other. We, we, we went to middle school together. I don't know you. You're just, you're just digging dirt. You're, just, you're excited that something bad happened to me because I told you you was a whoremonger and going to hell? I just told you the truth. They're excited. And some for good and some for bad. Just like you can't always trust tears. You can't always trust excitement. Some of it's for you. Some of it is against you. But let me tell you what Ruth and Naomi knew. Two are better than one. You better have somebody. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Here's what I want you to think in your mind right now before we get out of here. Who do you have who has you? Who do you have who has you? See, this is one of the reasons why I love the Lord so much. This is, I, I was telling a close friend of mine this week that one of the reasons Ruth is one of my favorite books in the Bible is because of the story in it. Because some important man, and we'll see later on if you read the book, you'll find out some important man who had a lot reached down and grabbed hold of somebody to love that had nothing. And as a throwaway child of divorce, abandonment, and the jail system, I had somebody really important named Jesus Christ of Nazareth reach down and get me when I had nothing to give. And I know somebody's got me. There's some people in the natural that I have this way. And I thank God for them because it, it, when, when you've got somebody that has your back, you can help each other succeed. People who aren't, aren't happy at your success, cut them loose. Life's too short to be dealing with crab-minded folk. 
Cut them loose. If they're mad every time you climb up, get rid of them. They don't mean you any good anyway. And if you're that crab mentality, you can't rejoice in your friends and your family's success, then you need to get rid of your mentality. And you need to learn that I need to be there for somebody and let somebody be there for me because the Bible says two are better than one. You need a Ruth and you need a Naomi. Naomi lived her life in such a way as to draw Ruth to her. Ruth clung to somebody because she knew that that somebody had something she needed. This is what your faith should be doing to people all around you. You can't argue somebody into Christ. You can't doctrinally berate somebody into Christ. What you can do is fall in love with Jesus and let them see what you have that's working for you. And they're going to want that. Ruth wanted what Naomi had because even in Naomi's bitter time, even in Naomi's depressed time, even in her chastening time, she still knew who God was. You need to be Ruth. You need to be that person that says, because you have something that I know I need, I ain't going to let your hardship run me off you. If you've been alive more than eight seconds, you've been betrayed by somebody let down by somebody, stabbed in the back by somebody, somebody left you in your time of need. That's life. That's just how low people are. But there are some Ruths out there. If you can't find your Ruth, you need to be a Ruth for somebody. We all need to be Ruth. We all need to find somebody who's got what we want and grab hold to them and don't let go. The trouble You can look at society, and you can find out the biggest trouble among any group of people in this country right now is not the effects of slavery. It's not the effects of welfare. It's not the effects of a bad economy. It's not the effects of whatever you want to point to. It's not the effects of being poor. Lots of poor people are are upstanding, morally upright people who love the Lord. The biggest problem facing our community today is children that don't have a father in the home. Search it out. Every sociologist agrees with it. Search it out. Fatherless homes create more. I know I'm a product of a fatherless home. You get raised without a father, there is going to be trouble. There is going to be problems. You, 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 got, you got to find somebody that, that, that can guide you. And so for me, I had to have coaches. And then when I came into Christ, I had to have older godly men and pastors and teachers to help model for me what being a man was about. And listen, men, I get it. In this generation, most most of us don't even know how to be a man because we weren't properly taught how to be a man. But you got to grow into your man role. So I'm challenging every man in the room today to grow up as a man. If you don't know how to be a man, get around a man that can show you how to be a man. If, if you know how to be a man, get some little man under you and teach him how to be a man. Because you got to have role models and you got to be role models. This is what it means to have a roof and to be a Naomi. you got to be one and you got to have one because it's the only hope that our society has proper modeling of God's plan. In verse 20, Naomi's response to all these excited people back in hometown, don't call me Naomi, she responded. Now, remember, 
Naomi means fine, pleasant, full of pleasantness, beautiful, happy. And she said, don't call me that no more. I ain't, I ain't the woman I used to be. I'm on bottom. Don't call me. Don't call me that no more. Instead, call me Mara. You remember, Mara was the place where the water turned bitter. So she said, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. Once again, good theology. She could have blamed it on the devil, but the devil wasn't the one drawing her back to God. The devil wasn't the one who's chastising her for her bad decisions. She knew that this was the hand of the Lord on her life. And she says, y'all, I ain't the woman I used to be. Listen, just because you ain't as good as you used to be don't mean God is done with you. No matter where you are, if you're moving in the right direction, God still has a plan for your life. Verse 21, she said, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. See, there's some Christians in a room like that today. You used to be full. But if you told the truth today, you're empty. You used to be so in love with God. Then you got around church folk and believed the lie of the devil that Christians don't read their Bible every day, pray every day, pay tithes and offerings, and live holy. But Christians do. Christians also go through struggles and hard times. She said, I... Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Some of y'all can't get past this because you came up in bad theology and you're still believing. I ain't, I don't no way believe that God creates that on his children. Well, I don't no way believe you ever read the whole Bible. Because the Bible is replete telling the story of God chastening everyone he loves. See, I never beat no one's child in this room but mine. Because every father chasing his own children. That's what the scripture says. And she understood that because of her choices, God is there. I hear people say all the time, I don't believe that a loving God would punish anyone. Well, you believe in a loving mother punishing you? What about a loving father? Do you not understand raising and the necessity for discipline? This is the real Christian life. See, she's not exaggerating. She left the house of God. The the the, the Bethlehem, the, the place of fullness and feeding and bread, eternal. She let Bethlehem's in Judah, the house of praise where people are worshiping God. She had a husband. She had two sons. She had two new daughter-in-laws. She's thinking about being a grandmother. She's thinking about growing old. She, but she made a big mistake. She left the place of God and went somewhere she thought it'd be better. But it wasn't better. It just made her bitter. She, she's lost her husband, her two sons. She's taking care of this new convert on her hip who she can't shake. <laughs> See, sometimes discipleship's hard. Training young people is hard. Parenting is hard if you're doing it right. See, parents are not supposed to leave their children to themselves. The Bible says a child left to himself will bring their mother and father to shame. you got to parent them every step of the way. Sometimes that means discipline. Sometimes that means they can be mad at you. I've met so many mothers who freaked out when their child yelled, I hate you, and slammed the door. My kids know I have an open door policy. Get out. You don't like it here. Get on up to Moab. 
Because <laughs> this here is the place of Judah. This here is bread for real. Money in my pocket going out there. She knows that she's telling the truth, that life has her in a bad way, but she hasn't given up. Let me ask you this as we get ready to get out of here. Have you given up? Life dealt you some bad things? If you've been in church for any length of time, you've seen others give up. You've seen people give up because they didn't like the uncomfortable truth. They didn't like somebody who was a widow and childless and had nothing telling them how they ought to live. If you've been in church any, any, any length of time, you've seen separation and betrayal. But God wasn't finished, and the story's not over. And if you can't take anything good away from today, please take this. Your story is not over. Your children's story is not over. Your relationship story is not over. Your walk with God is not over. As long as you're still breathing, there's still time for you to get on the right road. See, it sounds like she's complaining, but she's really just stating the facts. She's letting them know the truth, and sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. But she's giving honor to God in the midst of her downfall because she's saying, I know. Both times in those two, two verses, she uses the same phrase. One time our English Bible says, uh, the Lord, and the other time it says the Lord Almighty. But in the Hebrew, both times it says El Shaddai. El Shaddai is the all-powerful God, and another alternate meaning is the all-breasted one. And I've talked about that to you before. God is the all-breasted one. See, when the baby falls down, nothing, nothing more comforting to the baby than mama to pick that baby up and hold baby against her chest. Daddy to take that son or daughter and hold them against their bosom. You're safe. You're protected. Somebody bigger than you has got you. And she knew that's who God was. Even on her worst day, she knew God was the all-powerful, all-breasted one. See, real Christians always see God in control. Stop blaming the devil. That's just an excuse for you to take your mind off your bad choices. Realize that God is the one that's in control. The devil has no control. The devil, the devil can't do anything to you that God doesn't allow and orchestrate. The devil didn't jump on Job. The devil was sicked on Job by God. The devil didn't ask about Job. God told the devil about Job. Real Christians always see God in control of every area. But not only in control, but always sufficient. If you're on top or if you're on bottom, God is still sufficient. If you're up or if you're down, God is still sufficient. If you're broke or if you're flush, God is still sufficient. God has what you need. See, sometimes we think what we need is something different than what we really need. Because in our right mind, we'd all say this. I'd rather go through this life broke and hurting to inherit eternity than go through this life rich and, and, and happy and spend eternity in hell. Get your mind on the right outcome. Get your mind on eternity. See, 
We looked at the meaning of these names. And when, when pleasure leads the flesh, Naomi means pleasure and Moab means the flesh. But see, she left the house of God and went into the place of the flesh. But then she left the place of flesh and she went back into the house of God. And this is a cycle that we still walk through today in 2018. People who are really saved, really love the Lord, sometimes we stumble off into Moab. You ought to hear what God is doing in the house of bread and get back on the right road to getting close to God. See, when pleasure leaves the flesh and walks with other Christians into the house of God, good things happen. If I had the time, and I won't take it this morning, but if I took this microphone and put it in everyone's face, if I started with Mr. C and I ended up with Deacon Mike from front to back, and I said, tell me why God is so good to you. Amen? Tell me why you ain't never letting go of God. Tell me, has God been good to you in the bad times? And did he hold you together when nothing else could have? You ought to have a ready testimony for the Lord. I said you need a Naomi and you need a Ruth. We've seen it before in men's group. I tell the men everybody needs a Paul and everybody needs a Timothy. You need a man that you can look up to, to train you, to model life for you. And you need another man that you're reaching down to to help pull up. See, we all need somebody to grab hold of that can take us higher. And we need to reach back and bring somebody with us. Who are you grabbing hold of? The scripture is very clear about the role of pastors in the New Testament church. Even as the Apostle Paul said, though you have 10,000 instructors, you only have one father because I became your father when I taught you the gospel. There ought to be a clear line of mentorship between you and your pastor. If you can't receive from your pastor, then you need to clear your mind out and get right. Some people say, well, you just need to find a different pastor. Well, he's just messed up too. Followership is on the follower. Let leaders worry about leadership. You worry about followership. And then make sure your leadership is right for the one following you. Because this is the way of Christ. Paul didn't follow the Lord while he was alive. It wasn't until after Jesus was raised from the dead that he followed him. Many people have been following Jesus longer, but Paul surpassed them all because of his devotion and the call of God on his life. And some people, he was teaching about this Jesus that had never seen him. And so he told them, follow me as I follow Christ. So you don't have to know where you're going as long as you're following somebody that knows the way. Who knows the way of where you want to be? Because if you're not attached to the right people, your destination is going to be shaky forever. The curse of independence. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Your life will be bitter. And I want it to be blessed.
These are our choices as believers. You can either let difficulty make you bitter or you can let it make you better. As the story unfolds, we're going to see how the life of these two women got so much better because they got on the right road and they made their way back to the place of God, the people of God, because the Scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. It's not just what you do. It's getting around a group of people that you can praise God together with and joining yourself to something bigger than yourself. Naomi couldn't get what she needed. I'll just be a Christian in Moab. She needed to get back with the people of God, the plan of God, the man of God. And when she, when she, she surrounded herself that way, things started getting better. Things can get better for you. But you got to get on the right road. Pray with me. God, thank you for making a way out of no way. Thank you for saving us when we didn't deserve salvation and keeping us while we still don't. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives inside us to guide us. God, I pray that you would guide us closer every day. Help us to love you more than we love ourselves. God, I pray that you would let us abandon our own plan and follow your plan with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, I pray that you'd raise up true followers in this place, true leaders in this place. Let us be a place of praise, God. Let this be a house of bread, God, where we can come and feast on your things and grow your way. We love you, and we know that you're right always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.